How are we doing, church? Thank you so much for taking time to connect with us today. Good morning, Creston Campus. It's great to be with you. Hello to everybody at St. Greg's, everybody watching at home. If you have a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Matthew chapter 24, that's where we're going to be at today. Uh, This is week number two of our series called Signs of the Times. Um, We're spending several weeks, we've got two more weeks after this week, um, looking at what the Bible says uh, about the end times. Um, Let me start off by asking a question. How many of you here, how many of you watching, love to go to the theater to watch a movie? I'm not talking about sit at home and watch it, Netflix, anything like that. Like you'd like legitimately like to go to the theater, watch a movie. Like that's that's me. I enjoy that. Um, this week, I was thinking about movies because there's some cool ones that are coming out and we have the connect group that goes. And so it caused me to think about movies and funny things that I've seen happen at movie theaters. Now, not in the movie, but at movie theaters. Um, How many of you have ever been watching a movie at a theater and something happened and you either screamed out loud or grabbed the arm of the person next to you or jumped? Anybody done that? Um, Me too. I don't really want to admit that, but I have. Um, A long time ago, I remember this. uh, This is a way long time ago. um, I took a date to a movie, and uh, she's like, I can't watch. I'm like, girl, I paid $564 to get in here, eat some popcorn, shut up, and watch the movie. Um, Well, this this illustration caused me to think about the first movie that I can remember seeing in a theater. My dad took me in 1980. I was six years old in 1980. Um, We wore matching wool white sweaters. And yes, there is a picture of this. No, you are not going to see it. Um, We wore matching wool white sweaters to go see The Empire Strikes Back. Now, I was nervous and freaked out through the entire movie because I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, to me, for a six-year-old, that was a scary movie because there's this dude named Darth Vader, and I'm, like, gripping my dad's arm like the entire time that Darth Vader's on the screen and Luke Skywalker gets his hand cut off and then Luke is like I am your father or that's probably not a good voice for that but the whole I am your father thing and I'm looking at my dad like uh uh-uh, you ain't cutting off my hand um but I remember leaving that theater thinking man that was that was freaky because like I didn't know the story I didn't know the movie I didn't know what it was going to be like and so like I was I was freaked out Now, fast forward to about 2012, there was another action movie that came out, The Hunger Games. How many of you have seen that? I watched this whole movie, completely chill, cool as a cucumber. Other people are freaking out. They're like, oh, people are clapping. At the end, people were cheering. I did not clap. I did not cheer at the end. Now, the reason I could watch this movie and not be worried about it, not be freaked out, not be screaming the whole time and worried about what is going to happen is very simple. I had read the book. I did. Like, I read the book before I saw the movie. And so I was chill knowing how it was going to end. I knew. I completely knew what was going to happen. And that ties in to what we're talking about in this series. Because anytime you talk about the end times, I told you last week, two things happen. Two types of people show up at church. Two types. Number one, anybody remember? 
crazies, right? Crazy people. Now, if you're in this category, you don't know it. So I'm not offending you uh, because you have no idea that you'll be offended right now because you have no idea you're crazy. Uh, But we all talk about you. And so, yeah, we're working on the gossip thing. Uh, The other thing that happens is people get freaked out when you talk about the end times. People leave church and they're like, oh my gosh, Jesus is going to come back tomorrow. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I got to freaking out. People worry. People get filled with fear. Um, People start to doubt. And listen, I've read the book. I understand it. Like, I've read the book. The last two chapters, seriously, just go check out the last two chapters of the book of Revelation. Because the end of Revelation is just a reminder for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, (laughs) it's all going to be okay. Jesus wins. So, Everything that I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to I'm going to tell you not to freak out, all right? Because I'm going to say some things, you're going to look at these things, you're going to apply them to today and and then it might cause doubt and worry and it might cause you to freak out, but you're not supposed to worry. Like like it might get tense, all right? You you might you might get that that tense feeling, but listen, I'm just going to talk to you about what Jesus said. Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 is is having this conversation with his followers, with his disciples, with his 12 closest. They're they're on the Mount of Olives, and they ask him about the end times. And so Jesus starts talking about it, and they're like, oh, well, um, like, when is all of this going to happen? And then Matthew 24, we touched on this last week, and Jesus said, you're not going to know. Like, no one's going to know the day or the hour. Stop trying to figure it out. And 2024, you're not going to know. Nobody's going to have any idea. But he said you can know the season. And then he gives us like seven signs. Some people argue that it's eight or nine, but we're going to stick with seven. Seven signs that, I'm going to be honest with you, it's amazing how the headlines today and the scriptures are starting to say the same things, how they kind of intertwine. So stay with me. I'm going to go through these seven things. It's going to be fun. Seven signs Jesus talked about. Um, about how we can know the end times are, are near or close or upon us or approaching, whatever tag label you want to put on that. Number one, religious tolerance. Let me set this up like this. Have you ever been like out to eat with somebody at a restaurant and, and you're sitting there, you're eating your food and, and you finish your salad? Let's say it's one of the restaurants where the salad comes first, all right? You finish your salad and when your friend finished their salad, they looked at you to talk to you, and there's like a head of lettuce right here in their front teeth. Like like it's talking to you. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Pastor Ryan, good to see you. Ah. Just curious. If this is you, and you're eating with some friends, and, and you've got food in your teeth, do you want somebody to tell you yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like you're a dude, and you go to the bathroom, and you walk out, and you forgot to zip up. Uh, You want somebody to tell you, hey, dog, barn door open, right? I mean, you want somebody to tell you. But think about this. How uncomfortable is it to tell somebody that they've got something in their their teeth? And at first, you're just kind of like, you're kind of like doing signs, right? You're just like, you're kind of like telling them and like doing weird things. And they're like, what's wrong with you? crazy and, and and you're like man you got something in your teeth and and then they just kind of brush it and you're like no you've got a garden in your front teeth like carrots and radishes and tomatoes like it's come on it's uncomfortable to tell somebody they got food in their teeth but 
If you have food in your teeth, you want somebody to tell you, yes or no? Again, yes, absolutely. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this in verse 4. He tells the disciples, do not let anyone mislead you. Now, hold on. Let's talk about that for a second, because this is huge. I would say, don't be deceived. Like, you need to be smart in the situation. You, you need to, like, you need to focus on me and only me. But he says to the men, don't miss this, the men who are the very closest to him, don't let anyone mislead you. In other words, if they can be mis- misled, we can too. That's why we've got to be very careful when it comes to any sort of biblical teaching. I tell people all the time, you don't believe what I say? Go home and check it out for yourself. Like, uh, like I'm doing my best to teach the scriptures, but you need to check the scriptures out as well, right? You, you need to do that for you. Jesus says, don't let anyone mislead you. Then he goes on to say this in verse 5. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. Not that he is the Messiah, but that they are the Messiah, all right? Many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. That's a big deal. Jesus said there's going to be a time where many people who claim to be followers of him are going to be deceived. Now, keep that in mind because I I read a recent survey that said 50% or no, 50, it was like 57, 57% of all Christians say that all religions teach the same thing. Now, let me pause. That's 57% of Christians surveyed, not 57% of all Christians, because I don't know about you, I've never been called for a survey. I would love to be called for a survey. I would love to have that conversation. I don't know who the people are that they survey, but whatever this survey was, it said 57% of Christians say all religions teach the same thing. That's religious deception, because it's not true. For example, let's talk about a couple, and let's just take Christianity completely out of the equation, and let's just compare a couple. Let's compare Buddhism and Islam, two two religions, two big religions that are world religions that are popular today, right? In Buddhism, there's like this eightfold path. The, The goal in Buddhism is to cease to exist. Islam has five pillars, and within those five pillars, your ultimate goal is, is, is to get to eternity, to spend eternity with, uh, with Allah in heaven. Um, Hinduism, why that? Hinduism has, has millions of tracks. Like there's, there's, there's all these different ways. And one track of Hinduism, not making this up, they believe in reincarnation. And so you keep getting reincarnated and reincarnated and reincarnated. And eventually, when you reach the top level of that pyramid, you come back as a cow. Like not making that up. Come back as a cow. But 57% of Christians believe that all religions teach the same thing. And and, and when I pause to really look at that, because I thought like, well, you know, I'll put this up there and we'll talk about it. But I really focused in on the fact that, you know what, it's kind of true. Because every religion, every religion, if you boil it down to the essence of that religion, is spelled D-O. It's what you have to do to get to God. This is the ladder you have to climb. These are the steps you have to take. These are the things you have to do in order to get to God. But Christianity is different. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's, it's about what Jesus did for us 
on the cross that is all the way done. It's about Jesus emptying a grave. Listen to me, no other religion on the planet has an empty tomb to point to, but Christianity, we have an empty tomb to point to because Jesus Christ is alive. Religion, religion is just man's attempt to get to God. Christianity is God getting to man. So don't get it twisted because all religions do not teach the same thing. Here's another statistic, 38% of Christians believe that you don't have to believe in Jesus to go to heaven. And I read that, and I'm like, don't have to believe in Jesus. Like, that's the fundamental core of Christianity. And you run into people, and they say things like, well, you know, God's so big, and he's so loving. He won't let good people die and go to hell. Listen, if there was any other way to get to heaven other than Jesus dying on the cross, then Jesus dying on the cross wasn't a good idea, right? What's funny is, if you go back and you study ancient culture, you study um, Israel culture, you study the Hebrew culture, they believed the way to connect to God was through the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And one of the things they called the Torah, one of the nicknames they had for it, was they called the Torah the way, the truth, and the life. It was the way that you could know that you were connected to God. And what's really funny about that is when you look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said that he himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, I love you, but there is no other way to heaven other than Jesus Christ, period. But the world will try to deceive you. That's the first thing Jesus said. Second thing, wars and threats of wars. Listen. If you watch the news, crazy stuff is happening. I don't even watch the news anymore because I just get depressed. It's just, it's just, man, it's just horrible. But it's crazy, isn't it? Isn't everything on the news crazy? Now, I've, I've told you this before, um, but I'm a child of the 80s. I grew up in the 80s. Some of you grew up in the 80s. Um, some of you didn't. You missed out on a tremendous childhood. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. Now, the thing I remember the most about the 80s is the tension between America and the Soviet Union, Russia, right? Y'all remember that? How many of you remember that? In the 80s, we were convinced that there was going to be a nuclear war with Russia and everybody was going to get wiped off the map. There were movies about it. There were TV shows about it. There was this one TV show called The Day After. uh, It was just called The Day After. um, And it literally freaked the entire world out. Now, fortunately for us, Rocky went over, the, went over to Russia, defeated Ivan Drago, and ended the Cold War, and everything has been fine ever since, right? Now, Jesus said, this is what Jesus said at the end, verse 6, he said, you will hear of wars and threats of wars. Isn't it funny today how we're not just hearing about wars, but we're hearing about threats of wars? It says you will hear threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. He says in this, if you go through and you study this out, that there are going to be nations, certain nations that ally together that are going to march against Israel in this war. It it all comes down to fighting against Israel. Right now, there are some what we would call wicked nations allying together, yes or no. Listen, this is just in the book. Remember, I'm I'm just telling you, like this thing is getting set up. The scriptures say at the end times there will be a 200 million man army 
marching against Israel into the final slaughter. Now, if you combine the nations, the armies of some of those nations, you can get to that number pretty quickly, yes or no? Yeah. Anyway, let me move on. Number three, ethnic unrest. For the next few moments, I'm going to make fun of white people. I can make fun of white people because I'm white. I know that's a shock to some of you. I know, but, but I am. And so I can make fun of my own people. Yes or no? Yeah. I Googled this week. Um, I spent way too much time. This sermon would probably be a whole lot better if I hadn't done this. Um, but I, I, I Googled making fun of white people. And one of the first sites that popped up was stuff white people like. I don't know if you've ever been to this site or not, but stuffwhitepeoplelike.com, go check it out. It is fascinating. One, one of the first things, there's so many things on here, but one of the first things I saw that made me laugh out loud, camping. Just think about it for a second. Just let that kind of resonate. The next one that I really, really, really liked, ugly sweater parties. Come on, I mean, we have ugly sweater month here at Central. This place is like 98% white. I don't, I don't know. Um, I love this one because this is so true. Bumper stickers. <laughs> this one's even better. New Balance shoes. <laughs> Stuff white people like. Um, I don't have this picture up, but but I saw it. I need to put this picture in Frisbee Sports. Think through that. Fr- Ultimate golf. Ultimate Frisbee golf. Um, this one. A lot of you, especially you ladies, you'll get this one. Tar- Target. And this is my ultimate, this is my ultimate favorite. This was because it's so true. Black music that black people don't listen to anymore. I read through this for like two hours. For two hours, I was in a rabbit hole on this site. And I was like, man, they ain't wrong. <laughs> listen, I can make fun of white people all day long. I can get away with it. You know why? Because I'm white. But if I were to tell you, hey, um, let me tell you a funny joke. A black guy, an Asian guy, and a Hispanic guy walk into a bar. Feel the tension? Feel how that gets? It's mostly from the Baptists and water in a bar. Anyway, personally, and maybe this is just me, maybe this isn't you, I've never seen the ethnic tension like I'm seeing in the world today. I I just haven't. I want to go ahead and address this because, you know, like ethnic tension is there. Like it's, it's very, very, very real. And what's interesting about this is Jesus said in the end times, in verse 7, he said, nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom will rise against kingdom. Now, you say, okay, Ryan, well, where do you get ethnic unrest from? Well, if you go to the original language, this word, nation, is translated um, from the Greek word ethnos. And ethnos is where we get the word ethnicity. Jesus is saying ethnic group will rise up against ethnic group. All you got to do, all you have to do is go watch what has happened in our own country over the past several years. This is happening, yes or no? Yeah. Here's the next thing Jesus said would happen. Famines. Famines. This is why I hope he comes back soon. Seriously, I hope he comes back very soon because I don't want to live through a famine because I love food. I love food. Um, Lent just started. Um, for those of you that, that come from that type of background um, in the past, and people were talking to me about fasting, 
And like, what do I need to fast from until Easter? I'm like, you don't need to fast from anything, man. We don't follow that. It's not a biblical thing. But anyway, another message for another time. Um, but somebody said, they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to jump into this like fasting diet. Like, Pastor Ryan, have you seen these fasting, these fasting diets? And I'm like, yeah, I, I've seen them. They said, you should do it. I said, no, I shouldn't. Well, I think fasting is good. Listen, I'm more of a slowing type person. I love food. I love to eat. I love all kinds of food. I love it. 100% I'm a foodie. And what scares me is Jesus said at the end times, there'll be famines. And you say, Pastor Ryan, where do you get that? Well, it's right there. Verse verse 7, there will be famines. That's what he said. Now, this is crazy. This, This is super crazy. Right now, um, there's still a war going on between the, um, the Ukraine and Russia. And I read this week that Ukraine supplies 27% of the world's wheat and Russia provides 15% of the world's fertilizer. Crops are not going to get, crops are not being planted. Like wheat is not getting exported. Listen to me. Famines affect the third world first, the second world second, and the first world third. And remember, Not too long ago, our own president said we're going to experience food shortages in America. That's what Jesus said would happen. And listen, it's in the book. Just right there in the book. Don't freak out because Jesus says it's going to happen. It's right there. Um, Number five, earthquakes. Earthquakes. I remember my first earthquake. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in one or not, but um, it's another story for another time. Um, but I was in San Francisco. Uh, I was on a shark diving trip, and we were in our hotel, and we were on like the 14th or 15th floor. And uh, the person I was with um, was from California originally, and so like it's not a big deal to him. But man, this entire building was shaking, and I was terrified. He's like, "Oh, don't worry about, it, man. It's only like a 7.8 or something. I don't, I don't even know how the numbers work. But it's like not a big deal. But man, like stuff was like shaking on the walls. I mean, it was, it, it was scary. I'm like, that's why I live in the Midwest. I ask God all the time, why am I stuck in Iowa? He said, because you are scared of earthquakes, baby. But do you know, do you know we have earthquakes here? Do you know that? Remember a few years ago? I remember a few years ago being in bed and my dog started freaking out. Like it was, it was the craziest thing. My, my two dogs, where they started barking. The hair um, on their back was all stood up. I'm like, what's wrong with you idiots? And they, they're like, they're growling and they're barking. And then all of a sudden the house started shaking. And I'm like, what the heck was that? And I go online and I look on Facebook and everybody's like, did you feel the earthquake? I'm like, this is Iowa. We didn't feel an earthquake. Now, because we live in Iowa, we don't usually think about earthquakes. And I started thinking, you know what? Sometimes we don't think about things because we don't really pay attention to what's going on around us. You know what I'm talking about? And so I went back and did a little research on earthquakes in Iowa. Do you know that there have been 13 major earthquakes recorded in Iowa? Jesus said there'll be earthquakes in many parts of the world. I'm pretty certain that Iowa is in many parts of the world, right? All right, save the best two for last. This is where it might get a little tense. Uh, I'm going to say some things. You might not agree with me, and that's fine. Um, Come back next week. I'll probably say some more things that you're not going to agree with, but um, let's still be friends. All right, remember, open-handed issues, right, when it comes to the end times, right? I'm not not fighting over these things. But um, you ready? Ready for this? Um, Just trying to make sure. Number six, persecution persecution. Now, before I really get into this, I I, I want you to hear me. 
I don't hate people. I don't. Some people it would be easy to hate, like Iowa fans. But but listen, I don't hate you. I just know when it comes to basketball, Indiana's the better team. That's just your opinion, Pastor Ryan. Uh uh-uh. uh. I got some stats. Check these out. Head to head, we're 106 to 81. All right, that means we're better. We've got 22 Big Ten titles. And and how many how many do you got? How many? How many how many? Ten. All right, so that's like double. I can do the simple math right there. National championships, we got five. How many you got? How many? I can't I can't hear you. You don't know how to say the number zero. Um anyway, I got the truth on my side. This right here, statistically true that Indiana is superior to Iowa when it comes to Big Ten championships, when it comes to wins, when it comes to national championships, yes or no? Yeah, so I got the truth on my side. But let's say I want to go to the Indiana-Iowa game this year. Let's say it's at Carver-Hawkeye, and I'm wearing all red. Do you think they care about those statistics? (laughs) No. They're going to throw beer at me. They're going to cuss at me. They're going to yell at me. Now, if I go with, like, five minutes left in the game, everybody's left, and I'm okay. But if I show up in the first half, people are mad. I will get persecuted. I know this is the truth because I've done this. I went once. I was, like, one of five Indiana fans in the whole place. You get persecuted. Even though I've got the truth on my side, I get persecuted. Keep that in mind because Jesus said this in verse 9. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. So here he is back with the false prophets and the people deceiving many. You talk about persecution. Man, our world, our country, it has gotten intense, especially when you think about religious persecution. Think about this, and this is not a political statement, all right? This is just a matter of fact. During COVID, remember back in COVID time, there were churches who refused to follow their governor um, mandates and shut down. And there were, go back and Google this. There were pastors being arrested for having church in our country. Not only that, but today there are pastors being arrested and canceled for speaking the truth. I'm talking speaking the truth. Standing up and preaching, speaking biblical truth. Listen, there will be a day when speaking the truth will be considered hate speech. For example, and again, listen, understand, I don't hate anybody. Let me give you an example. If you're here today or you're watching online and you're transgender, listen, I don't hate you. I don't hate people. I don't hate anybody. But I believe with all of my heart that God made man and God made woman. And those are the only two options, period. Listen to me. It's funny to me how the people were screaming about COVID. Follow the science. Follow the science. Can't follow the science when it comes to basic biology. I will tell you, as a pastor, as a pastor, and I'm going to tell you this, as a pastor with a daughter in collegiate sports, I am one hundred percent against biological men competing in women's sports i know people are saying pastor ryan you can't say that don't say that you can't say those things don't be nervous i'm telling you there's going to come a day where what i just said gets labeled if it's not even today (laughs) but there's going to be a day where people are going to label that as hate speech 
But don't get it twisted. Because there's a difference between hate speech and speech that you hate. Just because we hate it doesn't mean it's not true. At the end of the day, I love people. But as for this pastor and this church, we will stand on the truth of God's word no matter what it costs. Last but not least, love growing cold. Love growing cold. Now, I just told you I love people, but some people are hard to love. Would you agree? Like when I stand up here and I say I don't hate anybody, you need to understand, it took me some time to get there. I've been hateful towards people before. I've harbored hate in my heart for a long time towards people. And, and there are people in this room, there are people watching. If you're not careful, this can happen to us where we get this hate and we have, a, we have our love grows cold. It's a dangerous trap. Jesus said in verse 12, sin will be rampant everywhere. Hmm. I wonder what he means by that. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. I have honestly never seen our country as cold as it is right now. The the whole world, in fact. Because think about this. When one in six boys and one of three girls are sexually molested by the time they're 15 years old, that's a cold world, isn't it? Is that not a cold world? When the murder rate, just the murder rate, the past two years has increased so significantly in our country that people on both sides of the aisle are concerned and they're trying to work together, the love of people growing cold. When the abortion industry, let, 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 me, let me pause real quick. I need to say this. If you're here or you're watching and you had an abortion at any point in your life and you've asked God to forgive you, you are forgiven. You are under God's grace. He absolutely 100% forgives you and he loves you. He knew you were gonna do that thing before he created you and he created you anyway. You're not a mistake. He loves you and you are forgiven. You can walk in freedom because none of this is meant to shame anybody. But make no mistake about it. It's not a pro-life pro-choice issue. It's a money issue. The abortion industry worldwide, listen to me, worldwide pulls in over $1 trillion a year. $1 trillion a year for murdering babies. That's right. You can't say that. Well, let's say this. Let's say a teenage girl doesn't want her baby. Say she doesn't want it. She goes to a rest stop, has the baby, throws it in the trash can. We condemn that. We understand. We know that's wrong. We scream at her. We yell at her. We condemn her. She gets locked up. She goes to an abortion clinic. People cheer for her. Let's say Friday night or Saturday night, you you went out somewhere. You had a drink or two. You pull out. DUI. You're driving under the influence. You hit a woman, and she's pregnant, and her and the baby died. You are charged with a double homicide. But Pastor Ryan, that's not a baby. It's a fetus. No, that's a life. That's a life. Let me kind of put this out there because this will be kind of fun. Psalm 139 said, For you created me in my mother's womb, knit me together. That is a work of God. Who wants to destroy a work of God? Now, I was trying to think how to end this message because these signs seem discouraging. If I send people home like this, it's just kind of like, 
dang, man, what's wrong with Pastor Ryan? Some of you are already like that. Like you, you brought somebody here today, and this is their first time. You're saying, I'm sorry. He's normally a lot like this. He's usually more encouraging. We'll come back next week. It'll be better. This is what I believe. Um, I was watching this thing the other day about the shooting that happened at a church in Texas. And people were being critical of the church. And listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. I know who the pastor is. Like, I, I get all of that. I understand that. You've got your opinions. I've got my opinions. I'm not a fan. Uh, I, all of that. But, but this is what somebody said. Somebody said, I knew something was wrong because every time I left, I felt great. Somebody else said, well, if we didn't preach those feel-good messages, this wouldn't have happened. L- listen, I said this a while back, and, and I fully believe it because this is what I want our church to be. When we come to church, when we leave, we should feel like we just heard good news. Now, yes, we should preach against sin, and we should share the gospel. But the gospel in and of itself is good news. In fact, if you don't hear good news, then it's not the message of Jesus Christ being preached in that church because Jesus Christ preached the good news. He was always preaching the good news. And so I went back. And I'm looking through what we just talked about. And even though I said, you know, I've, we've read the end of the book, Jesus wins. Some people are like, yeah, but I don't, I don't really feel that's good news. And so this week there, there's been this, um, a lot of you sent this to me. A lot of you sent me this, this pastor that like read from this Gen Z Bible, right? And, and he's, it's like this, everyone thinks it's funny and all that. So I ordered one and I thought, Man, I wonder what Matthew 24 says. And so let, let me read this, because this might lighten the mood a little bit. I don't know. It might make it more scary. I have no idea what I'm about to read, by the way. Like, I opened this thing up, and it's like being in day one of Greek class. It was crazy. Listen, I'm going to start in verse 1. I know we, we start in verse 3, but I'm going to start in verse 1. Listen to this. So Jesus bounced from the temple, and his crew rolled up on him, flexing the sick architecture of the place. Jesus was like, yo, people, or yo, people this, real talk. Not a single stone will be left standing. They'll all be tossed down. This is where we started, verse 3. Later on, while Jesus was chilling on the Mount of Olives, his his squad pulled up on the low and asked him, yo, when is this going to go down? How will we know when you're going to come back and the world is toast? Jesus was like, listen up. Don't, any, don't let anyone fool you, my homies. There's going to be mad posers out there claiming to be the Messiah, trying to boil a fast one on everyone. And you'll hear about wars and rumors of wars, but don't stress, it's all part of the game. But that ain't the end, fam. Countries will rise up against each other. There'll be hunger, diseases, and earthquakes all over the place. No cap. I thought that said crap. That might be better. It's just the beginning of all the messed up stuff that's going to go down. And you, my peeps, are going to get handed over to be tortured and even killed. Everyone's going to hate you because you're repping my name. And trust, there'll be so many people getting triggered and snitching on each other, straight up hating one another. False prophets going to be popping up left and right, deceiving the masses, fam. With wit. With wickedness running wild, people's love for each other going to go ice cold, straight up frosty. I love this thing. I absolutely love this. I'm going to put this in every message for here up to the end of the year, probably. Listen, 
I went back through this and, um, and I started making some notes because I like, I, I do want to think about how do we encourage each other through these things? Because the end times, remember I told you last, last week, prophecy is given to us for two reasons, right? To encourage the believer and warn the unbeliever. And those seven things are, are really big to warn the unbeliever. But if we focus on them as believers, we begin to get freaked out because we can see these things around. And so how can we look at these things and how can we apply them to our lives personally to where we understand, you know what? They're good news. Well, I, I made some notes. I wrote some stuff down. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to read some of it. And, and I pray that this will really encourage some of us here at Central. Even though we live in a world that many of us feel like, hey, we're not enough, we need to celebrate the fact that Jesus died for us, that God so loved us that he sent his one and only son to die for us so we could get somewhere and do something that we never could have done on our own. And even though I'm not enough on earth for certain people or certain places, I was enough for Jesus to give his life for. Even though wars may rage all over the world and wars may rage in my mind, I will not be a casualty because the King of Kings lives within me and will provide me with the peace that passes all understanding. And I will stand on the solid rock of his word knowing that no storm can tear down the foundation that he has given me. Even though there's hostility towards different races and colors and tribes and tongues, I will celebrate that in eternity, every tribe, tongue, nation, and race will come together in a place called heaven because of a man named Jesus, and we will live in harmony with one another because in him and only in him, there is unity. Even though famines may ravage the world and one day even impact my world, I will celebrate because Jesus said, hey, I am the bread of life. He has always taken care of me. He has always been faithful to me. He will always continue to supply my needs according to his riches and his glory. As earthquakes shake in the world around me, I will thank God that his Holy Spirit shakes inside of me to remove the things that are hindering me from being with him and replace them with things that are immeasurably more than all I could ever ask or imagine. As persecution breaks out in this world, and even, even in my world, I will celebrate that no weapon formed against me will prosper. God's word said it. It will not prosper. It will not defeat me. Jesus said he will take every curse and turn it into a blessing. And when I get overwhelmed by the battles racing against me and raging inside of me and inside of my mind and inside around, all around me, I will celebrate because I'll remember greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And as the world grows cold, I will continually ask Jesus to set my heart on fire. Set it on fire so that I will know his love for me is unshakable and his love flows to me endlessly and unconditionally. It will throw through me to a world that is desperate for hope. This world, every kingdom will come to an end. But this world is not my home. This world is not your home. I'm part of an unshakable kingdom with an unstoppable Savior who saved me with his irresistible, amazing grace. To him be the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.